yourself these questions. Now, why do I say that? Because part of probing questions is it keeps us honest with who we are, right? Part of allowing people to ask you honest questions and probing questions is it causes you now to have to look at yourself. In Jesus, we have unlimited spiritual resources at our disposal, but many of us don't utilize them. We tend to drift towards our own abilities. In today's message, Pastor Daniel uses several examples to explain what was happening with the Galatians. They were zealously pursuing works, but missing the point of them. A person can study the Bible without understanding the heart of Jesus. Today, we'll hear how to keep Jesus first. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Jesus is Greater Than Religion. What we do know about the Apostle Paul is that Paul's intentions is always what we would call pastoral. He has the heart of a shepherd. He wants to see them grow up and mature into their heads. So whether or not he's angry or frustrated, which he could be, or whether he's brokenhearted and sad, he begins by saying, you guys are being foolish. And we're going to get down and a few questions down. He's going to say, are you so foolish? So part of the Galatians issue is that they're being foolish. But notice the first question. Verse one, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. So the first question is, is who got you off track? He says, who has bewitched you? That's a, a strange word. How many of you remember the TV show, Bewitched? Yeah. For those of you who don't know, you can look it up on YouTube. You can see it was a fun little show. Back when uh, nighttime television was still watchable. <laughs> And not in the gutter, you know what I mean? But the idea of being bewitched, it's, it's the idea of having a spell cast upon you, being deceived. And he's saying, you guys, who has deceived you? And what is he worried about? What is the deception? Look at what it says. That you should not obey the truth. So the churches in Galatia has been moved. They've been, a spell has been cast upon them that now that they should not obey the truth. So the, the issue here is that in the eyes of the Apostle Paul and in the eyes of God, the churches in Galatia are now not following the truth. Now, I realize that when I say that in 21st century America, that there's some of you going to be like, oh, this is why I don't believe in Christianity. This is why I don't like religion, because who are you to say what the truth is? And I'm here to tell you, I am nobody. But if there's a God, and there is, and if that God is perfect and all-loving and creates and sustains everything, which is who God is then God is allowed to say, this is right and this is wrong. This is true and this is not. And we have to realize that because we live in a world, our culture has the Pontius Pilate syndrome. Remember, yes, she says, what is truth? 
as if truth can be arbitrarily designed by any given person. Well, it's your truth and my truth. Our culture says things like that. I'm here to tell you, no, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And because Jesus is fully God, created and sustains everything, knows what ultimate human flourishing is, God is allowed to say, this is true and this is not. So don't think, I'm not telling you this. That's why I have you open it up. Look, this is what God's word says. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm nobody. It's not like, well, well how was the dreadlock guy allowed to tell us what truth is? I, I'm nobody. You know, <laughs> this is God's truth. And the churches in Galatia have left, they've had a spell, so to speak, cast upon them that now they're not following the truth. They're not obeying God's truth. And then Paul says something amazing at the end of verse one. He says, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Now, what the apostle Paul is saying, listen, you guys have gotten taken off track. A spell has been cast upon you. And I can't believe it because Jesus Christ has been clearly portrayed amongst you as crucified. That word portrayed, you know how you can translate it? Being billboarded. You know when something's on a billboard? It's on a big sign and everyone sees it. Paul is saying, look, when you guys received the gospel through the ministry of me and the other apostles, the crucifixion, the death and resurrection of Jesus was on billboard display. You saw what it means. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, part of you and I obeying the gospel, following Jesus, is that we in our lives now billboard to the world what the death and resurrection of Jesus is all about. Our personal lives tell the story of what it means to, to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. And that is why you and I asking ourselves probing questions is so important, because for each one of us, we don't always billboard the Jesus message so well, do we? Because we got stuff. We got issues. You got issues. You know I got issues. We all got issues. And so God is doing a work in each one of our lives to say, I want to purify the billboard of Jesus in your life. And we all have different things that get us off track. Let me give you a little quick Quick hits, things that are common to get us off track from billboarding, portraying Jesus Christ for who he is in the world. One is the desire for a relationship. I don't know how many times a guy meets a gal and one of them isn't solid in their faith and somebody who was solid starts to drift away because they want to please this person who maybe they believe in Jesus, but they're not seeking to honor Jesus with the totality of life. And someone who is so well billboarding Jesus starts to drift. Sometimes it's vocation-driven. It's not wrong to have a job. It's not wrong to have, wrong to have relationships. But sometimes our pursuit of financial stability on however we define it, or wealth, all of a sudden we start to cut a couple corners. Rather than saying, you go into business, I'm going to honor the Lord in my business. And then you start cutting corners, cutting corners, cutting corners. And now all of a sudden, the billboard is not clear. Oftentimes with the way that we hold very personal views. All of a sudden, we're not display, we're not billboarding God's love and justice at the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus in our lives. So you got to ask yourself, 
how's my billboard of Jesus looking? Would anyone even know that I'm billboarding Jesus, that I'm portraying Jesus in my life? For Paul, he was like, look, we showed you what it looked like. We clearly portrayed Jesus Christ crucified amongst you. You saw it. You beheld it. It was in neon lights. I can't believe you guys have gotten away. So that's the first question. Look at the second question. This only, verse 2, I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, this question, Paul is saying to them and to us, remember your roots. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, when you came to know Jesus, did you come to know Jesus by a work of God's Spirit or by works of law? He's saying, your conversion, also called regeneration, did that happen because the Spirit did it and you believed by faith or by some work that you did? Now, everybody knows, and we talked about it last week, that we are justified by faith apart from works. See, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Spirit entered your life because you believed in Jesus, not because you believed in Jesus and you went to church every week, which is not a bad thing, but it's not a saving thing. That it was this and something else. It was this plus, oh, I realized I was supposed to say these words and I pray in this special way. No, you got saved because you trusted in Jesus. You just responded to what Jesus did and you trusted So he's saying, remember your roots. When you came to know Jesus, how did it happen? Did it happen by works or by faith? And we all know the answer is what? It's by faith. And I'm here to tell you, I realize right now, there's many of you in this room. You're here, you're just checking Christianity out. What you need to realize is that the work that God wants to do in your life, all you need to do is respond to the work that he's already done. By believing, by trusting And a lot of trust is, and I've heard it explained this way. It's like if there's a chair right here. Imagine that there's a chair, and I'm like, yeah, I believe that that chair can hold me, right? I'm believing it, but how do you really know if you believe it when you sit in it? When you take your weight off of your own control and you put it onto the chair, that's when you trust in action. And for you and I, we need to learn how to trust the Lord. Not just to say, I believe in him, but to literally sit in the chair, the the comfy chair, of faith in Christ. And I I don't believe that just for people who've never put their faith and trust in Jesus, because I know for a lot of us, we believe in Jesus, and we believe in Jesus, but are we really sitting in the chair? Are we really trusting him, or do we believe and we're really trusting our own resources? So he's like, remember your roots. You came to a saving knowledge of Jesus by faith, not by works of law. Then in verse 3, look at what it says. Are you so foolish? Now, that's a kind of a tough word from Paul, isn't it? Paul wasn't afraid to to get into it with him. And now, what's good is the word foolish, it does not mean somebody who is either mentally deficient or who pretends to be a fool. That would be the Greek word moros, which we get our word moron from. He doesn't use that word there. Okay, so some of you can be like, oh, yeah, I can use moron because Paul said it. I'm just quoting scripture. No, none of that. He's questioning their logic because the Greek word that Paul uses here, it literally suggests somebody's who's, it's the actions of someone who can think but fails to use the powers of perception that they've been given. So it's not somebody who is deficient. It's somebody who actually knows better. 
And if somebody were to step into using all of God's spiritual resources that we have in Christ, we wouldn't act that way. Now, when you put it in those terms, that's kind of a challenging question, isn't it? Because for all of us, we have to ask ourselves, am I not partaking of all the spiritual resources that I have in Christ by the Spirit to make decisions about my life? And if you ask yourself, am I being so foolish? Well, you just better hold on to your hat for the answers. Because it's amazing, because God loves us enough to say, listen, since you're asking, there's this area and there's this there. And I'll be honest, I always say, I don't preach a message unless I ask God to let me live it. And I ask God this question, in what areas am I not utilizing all that you have given me in decision-making for my life? And God was lovingly direct with me on a number of areas. And I'm so grateful for that because oftentimes we have not because we ask not. So ask the question, where is my spiritual logic not being utilized? It's a great question. But again, don't ask questions that you don't want answers to. Because if you do, then you're going to get answers that you don't want. But these are good questions. They're probing questions. Now look at the next question, the fourth question in the middle of verse 3. Having begun in the Spirit... Are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Now, I think in regards to the Jesus is greater than religion reality, this is big. Having begun in the spirit, are you seeking to be made perfect in the flesh? This was the Galatians problem. They began in the spirit. God did a work in their life, and now they're seeking to perfect themselves by the things that they do. Remember I said that we are justified by faith last week, and in this question of how you began, did you begin by faith or works, and it's by faith? Just as we are justified by faith, we are converted or regenerated by faith, what we learn in this verse is that we are also sanctified by faith. The growth in holiness that each one of us are experiencing, if indeed you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that also happens not by the things that you do, but by your trust in the finished work of Jesus. It's not like you get saved and the Spirit doesn't work and now you have to work everything else out. Your growth in the things of God, holiness actually also happens by faith in God, not by the things that you do. And right here, I believe this is where Christianity becomes a religion for a lot of us. Because we get saved by a supernatural work of God, and then you get ushered into, in order to grow, I need to do this thing, this thing, this thing, and this thing, and then I'll grow. Now, don't get me wrong. God has given us all a ton of tools to use. But those tools do not work in and of themselves. Those tools work in conjunction when it is motivated by trusting God. Let me give you some examples. Somebody believes in Jesus and wants to be made perfect by works. And so what do they do? They read their Bible ferociously. Good thing. But if you read your Bible, divorced from trusting God, you become one of those grumpy, dried-up, orthodox Bible scholars where they know everything about the Word, but they can't love a person because that person's doctrine is so wrong. And And it's time for worship, and they're like, I don't want to worship. I just want to study the Word. Because the book has become more important than the God who inspired the book. The book is designed to promote us to worship. It happens. And I believe for many of us, we got saved by a work of grace in the Spirit, and you're trying to perfect yourself by works. You're trying to build your own Tower of Babel. 
You know that you, and it's, you believe in Jesus, but if I do these things, then God really loves me. And if I don't do these things, then God really doesn't love me. And I'm here to tell you that is works righteousness. You realize you cannot do one thing to make God love you more or one thing to make God love you less if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's a shocking thing, right? But it's true. See, we grow not based on works, but by faith. And God, and God loves us enough to give us this information so that we learn. I know what it's like to seek to be perfected by works. This is an example. I remember when I was uh, an assistant pastor down in the Bay Area, there was a pastor. And this pastor decided he was going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. That's what Jesus did. And what was amazing is the guy forgot to read that part of his Bible that says that when you go to fast, don't tell anybody because everybody knew. The whole world knew that this guy was fasting. And sure enough, I go to these pastor's meetings and there would be that guy and he'd be like drinking his little cup of water, looking all depressed. I mean, I'd be depressed if I wasn't eating for 40 days and 40 nights too. But everyone was like, man, God is going to bless his church, man. That church is going to triple in size. And I felt bad because you guys know I'm all Italian, so I'm a verbal eater. So if something tastes good, I'm like, mmm, you know, that's just the way that I'm made. I'm not, I wasn't trying to be mean to this guy, but, you know, it's like every time you take it, there's going to be a crepe there. Oh, so, mmm, oh, sorry, sorry, bro. And then sure enough, you know, it's like you eat a piece of bacon and you're like, Lord, thank you for the Jerusalem council. Praise you. Oh, sorry, sorry, brother. Sorry. Because you feel bad. This guy's just drinking his water. But you know what happened to this guy? Fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Church closes down six months later. Now, I'm not saying that the church closed down six months. I'm sure there was a lot of reasons, but... Everybody seemed to think that because this guy was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights that he was going to get like some uber blessing from God. My friends, that's works righteousness. As if, if you fast for 40 days and 40 nights, God's going to, you're in, God's in your debt. And God be like, oh, whatever you want to do, since you've not been eating for so long, I'm going to do it for you. So sometimes we could be really solid in the Lord and forget that, listen, if you fast, fasting's a good thing. But don't think you're fasting so that God will do the thing that you want him to do. You fast because you're yearning for God. You're lovesick for God. You're hungry for God. You need God more than you need food, and you need food. But none of that puts God in our debt. None of it does. But that's a way that you begin in the Spirit and seek to be made, what, perfect in the flesh. And it's not possible. You begin in the Spirit, and you become perfected in the Spirit by faith, not by works. Fourth question is an important one. Look at the fifth question. In verse 4, having suffered so many things, have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Now he's talking about the hardships that they've endured, the persecution that they've endured. He's like, look, you guys have suffered so many things in vain. Why, why did you suffer if it's not because of the gospel? You read about Paul and his companions in Acts 14. They were persecuted in the regions of Galatia. They had a hard time there. And by extension, it would seem that the churches in Galatia also suffered. And I'm here to tell you, for many of us, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a suffering that happens because you realize that when you put your faith in Jesus and God starts to transform your life, people who were your friends are no longer your friends because you've changed. But you know what I've learned is that the people who used to be my friends who aren't any, more, any longer, they actually weren't my friends. They just used me to get what they wanted. Because a true friend is a friend no matter how you grow. So for many of you, you've experienced the hurt and the loss of relationships because of 
the way God has moved in your life. And it'd be easy, like, so did, did all that happen for no reason? Was it in vain? No. There's a reason why these things happen, and it's important because of the gospel. And then finally, verse 5, the sixth question, therefore. Now, when you see the word therefore, what do you ask? What's it there for? That's Bible interpretation 101. Therefore, what's it there for? Therefore, verse 5, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of law or by the hearing of faith? Now, this is talking about the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. He's saying, look, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by faith or by works of law? So not only does he say, look at your roots and look at your sanctification, but look at what God is doing right now. In the present moment. Now, listen. The last question. It's important for us to realize this. That oftentimes in churches, in charismatic churches, you kind of hear that these things are going to happen in you if you do X, this thing. Like you go to an all-night prayer meeting and you're going to speak in tongues by the time it's over. Now, don't get me wrong. Praying is good. But again, it's works righteousness. Do you know why we don't experience the charismatic gifts of the Spirit? Because we don't trust We don't believe that God, that the Spirit is in us and that the Spirit wants to bubble up out of our lives and that God wants us to be the scene of His Spirit touching down. And I'm here to tell you, no amount of prayer meetings, no, these things are good, but they are not going to make these things happen. These things happen by faith. And I believe, and one of the things that I pray for us as a, as a family of faith is that God, we would simply believe that you want our lives to be the scene of the touchdown of your Spirit. Because I'm here to tell you, our lives were designed by God to be the location for heaven to touch down to earth and for God's spirits to bubble up in our lives. And if you're in Jesus, then everything is taken care of for that to happen. You don't need to, oh man, you need to go and check out this speaker here and he's going to do this thing here and then boom. No. It happens by faith, not by works of law. And not that prayer is bad. It's like, listen, pray. And if you've never prayed all night, it's an amazing thing when you're in a long prayer meeting. But don't think for one second that that's the stuff that's going to get those things there. It's all out of order. So we need to ask ourselves probing questions. Now, notice it says, therefore, and there's a dash in my Bible at the very end of verse 5 because he's moving into the next section. Look what he says. Does he do it, end of verse 5, by works of law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now, what the Apostle Paul does, think about it. The churches in Galatia were leaving just Jesus for the, I believe in Jesus plus the religion of Judaism. Jesus is Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, 
with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly is a book I wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next. But honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff. And I've been blessed as many people have told me how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus. And I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, You'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 